Hello everybody, this is Melanie, Ochore's secretary and the chief advocate, or according to Ochore, the co-chair of the free Ochore campaign. Well, I probably don't have to introduce myself anymore. By now, everybody should know who I am. But just in case there are new listeners, well, now you know my position in the fight for justice for Ochore. All right, it's been a while since you heard me talking. Um, I hope you didn't miss me too much. <laughs> of course, that was a joke. <laughs> Welcome to my sense of humor. <laughs> um, well, today is the World Day Against the Death Penalty. And the original plan was to do another recording with Ojore, as the one we did last week for the Wrongful Conviction Day had a big impact on the campaign. However, the prison staff didn't give us enough phone time this week, so we couldn't record Ochore's message. And I thought as replacement, it's a good idea to re-upload the recording of me talking about his case and the evidence for his innocence. I think that cannot be repeated too often and our new subscribers don't have to search for the most important information on this channel. So please listen carefully. And yeah, here you go. Hello, everybody. My name is Melanie and I'm the chief advocate of the Free Ochore campaign. Today, I want to talk about Ochore's case, one of the most important subjects of this channel. Well, probably the most important subject and the one you're interested in the most, I think. Um, all documents are uploaded on the website www.freeotoray.com but knowing there are several hundreds of pages, um, <laughs> I can imagine not everybody has the patience and nerves to read all those documents. So to those who want to have proof for Ochore's innocence, but are not really into reading, well, not only them, but everybody, please listen carefully to this recording. Um, before I start, uh, let me add that Ochore's case is very, very complicated because it's not only about one homicide, but two separate homicides. At the end of this recording, you will understand what I mean. Um, especially in one case, there are several interviews with witnesses in which they change their stories several times within each interview. Yes, <laughs> this is quite confusing. Well, the whole thing is full of what the hell moments. And, you know, this makes no sense at all. I don't know how how often I thought, ah, this makes no sense to me. That's, ah, you know, those ah moments. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a summary of the main facts. And also I'm going to tell you names of the victims and main witnesses in order to avoid too much confusion. Well, if someone close to the victims should listen to this, my deepest condolences to the victims, families and friends out there. It must be very shocking and terrible to lose a beloved one in such a cruel way. But I know that at least one family agrees to Ochore not 
being the murderer of their beloved one, because according to the interviews, the family believes someone else to be the killer. They even gave information on who they believe took their beloved one from them, but there were no investigations into that direction. So, yeah. Um, I don't want to hurt or harm anybody, but this needs to get public. Ojore is innocent and is being punished for two murderers who probably still are somewhere outside, maybe celebrating to have gotten away with murder. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Good. So let me start with case one, or let me call it count one. It's the Pericoda case. And the homicide happened on 4th January 1994. The victim, a white drug addicted guy, was shot near a motel while walking down the street. In this case, there are two witnesses who claimed that they were standing under the same tree. Both identified Ojore in the dark of the night in the distance, but failed to see each other. It turned out that one of, that one of those witnesses called Orlando Hunt, was treated by the prosecutor to implicate Ochore and himself in this homicide and that he also was forced to pressure another witness called Gina Lee into changing her story. Um, the other witness, called Carrie Don Scott, turned out to be a witness for four totally different homicides And Carrie Don Scott confessed to the defense investigator that he was paid by lead detective Caldwell and that he became that informant to get out of a murder, of a murder charge. Another witness, Gina Lee, I just mentioned her, she stated that she never, she never saw Ochore killing anyone. Later, she changed her story into finding Ochore and Orlando Hunt in her room after returning from getting drugs. She also stated that her crack habit usually consisted of every day, all day long. And she admitted to smoking a minimum of seven to eight rugs of crack cocaine per day. According to her, Ochore was acting strange that evening. He had real big eyes and leaves and shit in his hair. And at first she stated that he had a sm small handgun. But when asked later again about that gun, the size, the model, she stated that she did not see a gun in his hands. And to the defense investigator, she confessed that the prosecutor had pressured her into that story and that she couldn't remember anything because she was permanently high. Another witness and friend of her stated that they had been together in Gina Lee's room the whole evening and night and that they had taken cocaine together and nobody had shown up or had been there. Um, another interview is with Mrs. Coda, the victim's mother. She stated that her son was kidnapped a few months prior to the homicide because he had owed money to a guy called Scott Adam Chesky. And that man had pointed a gun to Perry Coda's head when he asked for his money. 
For whatever reason, that incident was not reported to the police. I don't know why. Uh, further, the mother also stated that she had heard rumors about her son wanting to sell a handgun on the day of his death and even named a person who could know more. There were no investigations into that direction. There was a polygraph examination with another suspect. That suspect failed all three charts. Again, no further investigations into that, no interview, no researches, nothing. According to the bullet examination, the handgun found in the purse of Ochore's girlfriend during a traffic control, um, I tell you about this later, this handgun did not discharge the bullet found in the victim's body. So this is a brief summary of the first case or count one. Now let me talk about count two. That's the Gregory Martin case. Gregory Martin, a blood gang member, was shot in an apartment complex and that homicide happened on 12 February 1994. There's not really much to tell about this case because with the exception of the eyewitness report of Lloyd Marcus, the autopsy protocol and the bullet examination, all of the evidence was destroyed or disappeared. According to Lloyd Marcus, he had observed two males beginning to push each other, ending in one of them pulling out a gun and shooting the other one. He stated that um, the subject was unknown to him and that the shooter was either of Asian or Mexican origin. So he stated that the subject was of another race, no black but Asian or Mexican. Again, according to the bullet examination, the bullet and the gun of Ochore's girlfriend had no clear match. So you see, there's nothing linking Ochore to either homicide. So how come he was you know, trapped and linked to both homicides? Well, on 19th February, 1994, he and his girlfriend called Kimia Gamble were controlled during a traffic stop. Ojore had been on parole back then and was immediately arrested. And when searching the car, they found a gun, a um, little handgun in um, Kimia Gamble's purse. And of course, she was interviewed and at first she stated that it was her gun, but was pressured during the interview so in the end, she stated that the, that the gun belonged to Ochore. Um, everything I'm telling here, it's on record. You know, it's recorded. There are tapes. Everything is on tape. Um, the written forms are on the website. You can look at them. You know, I invited you before. So everything is on tape. Yeah, this is matter of fact. Why was he convicted? Well, <laughs> the main reason why Ochore is connected to both homicides are due to 
interviews with a prisoner called Harold Black. And initially, he said that he knew nothing about the homicides. Only after being promised to have his case re-evaluated, well, um, there's a cut. The tape was turned off. And um, when it was turned back on, he stated that he had information about the Gregory Martin murder, but he knew nothing about any other homicides. So um, in this interview, and I really recommend you to read this, in this interview there is several times that statement, and let me quote now, in our prior talk, and also before we went on tape, and you remember we talked about this before. Um, yeah, so it's clear they had a talk before they recorded the interview. Um, also, it is mentioned several times that there was a promise to contact the district attorney's office and look into the status of Mr. Black's case. So this interview is obvious and shows clearly that there was a sort of contract. Um, several months later, in a second interview, Harold Black stated that he had information about the Pericoda case and with the same promises already made in the Gregory Martin case. So the second interview is, you know, similar to the first, but that time about the Pericoda murder, and the first time about the Gregory Martin case. And he stated that Ochore had confessed both homicides to him while they were in custody together. So this is the reason why those homicides were connected and Ochore was found guilty. Um, let me add some more facts to this. Um, I think that's very important. Um, Ochore's first trial attorney was removed from the case because he either represented a suspect who was arrested or charged for the murder of Pericoda, which of course created a conflict of interest. In addition, to me, even more important, the lead detective called Palmer had been under an internal affairs investigation that time and subsequently lost his job because of corruption. So the lead detective was under an internal affairs himself, an internal affairs investigation himself. Um, no comment to that. Um, also, you should know that Mrs. Coder and also L Lloyd Marcus both did not testify in court. So their version was never told in front of court. They, ne they never made their statements there. Yeah, so to keep it short, Ochore was convicted because of lies and made up stories 
of the main witnesses um, who were partly paid or pressured to tell these stories. He was found guilty and received the death penalty despite proof of all those lies and the corruption that happened in this case. So you now you know the main facts that brought him to death row and are also proof for his innocence. Um, if you should have any questions, if you want to share your thoughts about this uh, or give feedback of any kind, please contact freeotere at gmail.com. You also can get in touch with me privately. My Twitter account is Melanie at Freeotere Team. And on Facebook, I have a profile as Melanie Snow Bunny. Um, yeah, yeah, you see, I'm, I'm a bit struggling now. You know, this, it's very hard for me to talk about this because um, it's so, <laughs> it just leaves me speechless, you know. Um, in my opinion, the injustice done to Ochore is very clear and obvious. I'm not familiar with legal stuff, but believe that even a blind would see that all was made up to punish someone the police wanted to be the perpetrator. So please help to spread this injustice. Support Ochore in his fight to get his name cleared and his freedom back. Thank you for listening. I say, we say, free Ochoray. <laughs>